Hi there. Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons Podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. This sermon, The First Gospel Preachers, is from our Easter morning worship service. The text is Matthew 28, 1 through 10, and the supplemental text is Psalm 118. Our worship services take place in our building at 819 John Adams Street, which is the corner of 9th and John Adams, in Oregon City, Oregon. We also live stream on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash onebaptistchurch. For more information about our church or to financially support our mission and ministry, please visit our website at onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It was in 1992 that we, we moved and my family moved into the house that my mother currently st- still lives in, uh, in Mineral Wells, West Virginia, uh, which is a tiny little town uh, in a tiny little state. Uh, and my mom is a tiny little woman who lives in a tiny little house. Actually, she's kind of tall for a woman, but that's neither here nor there. In 1992, we moved in and my parents bought a sofa and a love seat and they bought an entertainment center one of the big square ones because you had the square tvs not these widescreen things that the kids are using these days but actually all of us probably have widescreens now uh, but it was one of the the tube tvs that was you know this big and that deep and super heavy and all of this and she moved My mom and dad moved that furniture in, and there it sat. Yeah, you know, maybe there was a little bit of, you know, wiggle room for Christmas time. You moved the love seat a little bit uh, to get the Christmas tree in there. But it stayed as it was for years. Every time I went back, you know, growing up, graduating high school, sofa, love seat. Uh, coming home from college, sofa, love seat. It never changed. It was always in the same place. You could you know, set your watch by it. It was always right there. And then I met Katie and started going over as we were dating and, and falling in love and all of this and started going over to her parents' house to see her. Her mom is a compulsive living room rearranger. I have never, to date, I have never been over to Katie's parents' house where the furniture has been the same way twice. Sometimes the TV will be over here. Sometimes the TV will be over there. Sometimes the love seat will be over here. Sometimes the sofa will be over there. Who knows? It's always an adventure, which I didn't realize this about myself, but I was so trained to expect things the same way because of my upbringing, that this really threw me for a loop. And it even threw me more for a loop when my mom bought new furniture and didn't tell me. (laughs) And I go home, I go over to her house to visit and everything's different. And, but not, it was like the same shade of furniture. (laughs) It was, it was like the new, the updated model 20 years later. And so I walk in and I go, whether I walk into my mom's house or I walk into Katie's parents' house, 
I go, what changed? There's something different. What changed? And that was where we bring the sermon illustration into the rest of the sermon, because today is the day where we ask ourselves what changed. Up until this point, the messianic expectation, so when God's people, the Israelites, you know, through the whole of the Old Testament, had come through expecting a Messiah, expecting a deliverer, there were really four major themes to this expectation. One is that whatever uh, foreign occupier, whatever colonizer had taken over their land, uh, the, the colonizers, the invaders would be thrown off. That was one. Two, that the temple would be purified and true worship of Yahweh would be restored. Three, is that the dead would rise. That at this one point when the Messiah came, all of the dead of God's people would rise. And four, that justice and peace would reign from Jerusalem over the whole earth and all people would know the justice of God. What changed? Well, what changed was Jesus. Because Jesus came and Jesus rose in the middle of all of this. And it was not expected that one guy, it was supposed to be everybody at, at the end, everybody all at one time, nobody gets, nobody gets firsts, nobody gets to go to the head of the line. The expectation was that it was going to be this thing that God did at the end. Not that one guy would do it in the middle. Except, and I don't want to say they had missed it, except what God does is a new thing. And Isaiah had said over and over again that God is going to be doing a new thing. Jesus was good and truly dead on Friday. There was no doubt about it. The Romans were master executioners. They were good at what they did. And they took pride at what they did. They didn't invent crucifixion, but they perfected it. When they sealed Jesus in the tomb, he was supposed to stay there. But he didn't. And what we read this morning is we read this big scene where there's so much going on that you almost need to break down everything a little bit piece by piece. And we're going to start, we're going to get to the, the women in a minute, but we're going to start with the angel and the earthquake. Because angels in all of the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, they just knew as scriptures, angels were messengers. They were people who showed up to tell somebody something from God. They were there to deliver a message. And so here is an angel accompanied by an earthquake. Now, if you pay attention, again, in the Old Testament scriptures, earthquakes were often uh, foreshadowing or harbingers of that there was something new, something different happening or about to happen. Uh, one easily pointed out earthquake was in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, when Elijah has fled Ahab and Jezebel, and he goes up to the mountain, and there's a terrible earthquake, and he expects to find God in the earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake, but God does show up 
two signs later. And so there's an earthquake and an angel. Something is happening. And so if you're these guards, put yourself in the guard's shoes for a second. Something's happening. And they can't believe it. They don't have any, they don't have any frame of reference for this. They've never seen anything like it. And so they faint, which is, I mean, I think that probably would be about our response to being outdoors and an earthquake and an angel show up. You faint. Okay, no shame in it. Except that these were Roman guards and Jesus had been sealed with the Roman seal, which meant that seal was only to be broken on the pain of death. And so they were not going to give up their post lightly. When the women get here, Jesus is already out of the tomb. And in fact, when the stone is moved, Jesus is already out of the tomb. And it's here that I'm going to air briefly a grievance of something that shows up on the internet every year around Easter time. And there are these little pictures called memes, and you've kind of seen them on, on Facebook and social media and everything and, and all of that cesspool. Um, and the meme is the zombie Jesus meme. And it's the idea that Jesus is a zombie because zombies are people who are dead and they've got something, you know, some sort of infection in their brain or something. And they come back to life a few days later. If you've ever seen like Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, any, literally any zombie movie, you know what I'm talking about here. If not, it's okay. I think I've explained adequately so that you never have to watch a zombie movie. Jesus isn't somebody who has been in the grave and stayed in the grave And then something happens, and now he's gotten up on his own accord and just walked out of the grave. Because this is one of the things that's different. God raised Jesus from the dead. And the reason this matters is because it is God fulfilling God's promises. That God is going to do a new thing. That God is going to burst new creation into the old world, that this is God's rescue plan for humanity. That in the world that God created is good, but in a world that is in rebellion to the good ways of God, God is going to create a way for people to come back to him. God is reaching out so that God can go to people rather than humanity trying to earn our way, which is impossible, into the kingdom of God. So God raises Jesus from the dead, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but when God raises Jesus from the dead, Jesus has a new body. His old body has been used to, make, to remake this new body, And if you read other Gospels, you find out that Jesus can do things like show up in locked rooms. That Jesus can, uh, but at the same time, Jesus can eat. One might infer that Jesus is a Baptist because one of the first things he does after he is raised by God from the dead is ask for something to eat. (laughs) 
I'm not saying that's gospel truth, but maybe. So Jesus is already out of the grave. And here come the women. Now the disciples, the, tw- the 12, who are now the 11 because Judas, uh, the, the 11, they should have been there. They should have known in Matthew 16, in Matthew 17, in Matthew 20, Jesus says, the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to have to go, he has to go to Jerusalem, he will be handed over to the authorities, he will be put to death, and on the third day he will rise again. Well, ding dong, they should have gotten it. But they didn't. Instead, the disciples are off hiding. And now enter Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. If I am the other Mary in the fullness of the kingdom, when Christ returns and establishes the fullness of God's rule and reign on earth, I might have some words for Matthew. Like, you couldn't have described me as anything else other than the other Mary? That's it? That's all you get? And I've looked in several sources, and no one has a definitive, like, this is absolutely it, as to who the other Mary is. It's not Mary, mother of the Lord, because they would have said, Mary, the mother of Jesus. They always are very clear about that. They've already established that it's Mary Magdalene. Are we talking, is the other Mary, Mary of Bethany, you know, sister of Lazarus? Is this, uh, is this Mary, the wife of Clopas? It's most likely Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, uh, who is one of the people who is named as G- one of Jesus's uh, female disciples, one of the people who financially supported Jesus. That's where a lot of people lean, but nobody definitively knows who this other Mary is. But they show up at the tomb. And if you ever do a, a, a type of, of scripture reading called Lectio Divina, or divine reading, where you read the same passage over and over again and try to put yourself into the, the shoes, like into the role of one of the people in scripture, this is a great passage for it. Because you have to think what these two women have seen. They were both present at the crucifixion. They were both people who would follow Jesus around. And now they've gone to the tomb. Other gospels have more details about things that they brought, why they went, etc. But we're going to stick with Matthew today. We're we're, going to kind of put blinders on so that we can just see what Matthew has to say about these two women. Because he doesn't say anything about them coming to anoint Jesus' body with spices. He doesn't say anything about these two women coming to, uh, to try to finish the burial process. He doesn't even say anything about them coming to grieve. He just says they were going to the tomb. And they'd seen Jesus die. And they'd waited. And then they'd go. And much like... Much like Peter, who proclaimed, we gave up everything to follow you. Where else are they going to go? The person that they had hinged their lives on, lives on they thought, was in this tomb. 
And so they go and they find this scene. As they're walking, the earthquake, and as they get there, the angel, and they see it all. And the angel says, you know, don't be afraid, but Jesus isn't here. Much like every level in Super Mario Brothers, sorry, your princess is at another castle. That was a video game I played when I was a child. They say, the angel says, Jesus isn't here. He has gone. And so they go to find the disciples, Mary and other Mary. And as they go, Jesus finds them. He seeks them out. And when he greets them, he doesn't say, don't be afraid. He doesn't even say shalom, the traditional greeting that means peace. The Greek word that Jesus says equates to hi. <laughs> Jesus is alive. He's appearing to people for the first time, and he goes, hi. And I find something just beautiful about that. Because Jesus is always reaching out to us. And Jesus should be familiar to these two people. But what's different? Well, what's different is he is risen. He is alive. And he doesn't just appear to these two women. He gives them something to do. These women were formed for this task. They were formed and shaped by God, by walking with Jesus for the task that they're going to be given. And the task that they are given is that they are the first gospel preachers. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has been raised by God from the dead, inaugurating the new creation bursting into our current world. It is bringing life into our old, tired, dusty world. We started our Lenten journey on Ash Wednesday with that word dust, and now we're ending it here with Jesus bringing new life into this old dust. And Jesus doesn't just say to two random people out of the blue, hey, can you go get my disciples and tell them, like, tell them to meet me over here because I'm alive? He picks these two women, and I don't think it's an accident. Because these women have followed Jesus. Both Mary Magdalene and other Mary, no matter which one of the Marys it is, Mary and other Mary were followers of Jesus. They were people who had traveled with Jesus, though they went unnamed so often. Yeah, the 12 got the big headlines. Peter, James, and John got to see the transfiguration. But there were so many other people who followed Jesus around, who were his disciples, who spent 24-7, 365, all their time following Jesus around. And so as they followed, they saw the signs, they saw the miracles, they saw the, the exorcisms, the demons being cast out. They saw the challenges with the Pharisees. They saw the people who were challenged by Jesus. They ate with the same sinners that Jesus ate with. 
They were there when, when Jesus' feet were anointed with expensive oil. They were formed by following Jesus. They were shaped by the crucifixion. They were there. They saw Jesus die. Moreover, most of the 12 were not there. John puts himself at the foot of the cross with these women, but John isn't present at the tomb when they go. Only these women go because they saw Jesus die. They heard the last words of our Lord. They were there when he proclaimed, it is finished, and gave up his last breath. This shaped them as followers of Jesus. They went to the tomb because where else were they going to go? Where else were they going to go for life? Because Jesus was life for them. And they are so intent on at least being near Jesus that they go to a tomb. When I was growing up, there was a a young lady who died very, very young of, of of a terrible form of cancer. And her mom put a bench at her grave. And she would go day after day because this this daughter of hers had brought so much life to her that she at first had trouble. She's since uh, sought pastoral help and mental health care and, and has processed through her grief and, and she's doing well. Like, this has a happy ending, don't worry. Uh, but she had found so much life in her daughter that she couldn't give it up at first. And so these women went because even though they had watched the source of life for them die, where else were they going to go? They were willing to follow Jesus to that grave. And then they fully encountered Jesus. They run into him. He says, hi. They see their risen Lord right in front of them. And what we don't realize, we who are sitting here in this room, is every decision, every action we take forms and shapes us either in the ways of Jesus, which are love and life and grace and peace, or we give ourselves over to the idolatry of the world where we let something else be our God and control our wants and desires. These women were able to be the first gospel preachers because they had been so thoroughly shaped by Jesus and by his life from the beginning of his ministry to his resurrection. When we consider who we are in light of this, and when we ask ourselves, what's different? The difference is now we have met God. In Jesus Christ, we have met God with flesh on. 
We have met God who has been born into humanity just like one of us. Who lived and showed us the ways of God. Who introduced us, who told us what God has to say. If it wasn't clear in the Old Testament, it's crystal clear now because the words are coming out of God's own mouth as the person of Jesus Christ. And so what do we do but we allow our lives to be so shaped the way these women did? We learn to live in this world by paying attention to the words of Jesus, to walking with Jesus through the scriptures. We learn what love looks like. We learn what power looks like in our world by watching Jesus die on the cross. And we live our own lives dying every day to the idols of this world to the power structures of this world, to the things that put us first at the expense of everybody else, we crucify these desires. But then we live in the power of the resurrection because new creation is bursting forth and it's bursting forth because Jesus was raised by God from the dead. And so when we live out this new creation, we know that the words of Jesus are true. The ways of Jesus are life. And when we want to live the way, the truth and the life, we live the ways of Jesus. So when we walk in this world, we walk as people who love. We walk as people who refuse to hurt another person for our own gain. We walk as people who forgive and reconcile with those who have hurt us. We live as people who ask for forgiveness. And we do it because of the example of these women. Because these women went to the disciples and they told them to go meet Jesus. And if we have ears to hear this morning, we can hear these women telling us to go meet Jesus. In our world today, when people are tempted, when, when we're tempted to listen to people who tell us not to pay attention to women, we go back to this passage. Remember that the first people to bear the gospel the first preachers, the first people to do what I'm doing were women. And we hear them telling us to go meet Jesus. And because they went and told the the 11, the 11 meet Jesus, and then the 11 spread out. And within within a, a generation, Christianity had swept the world. And it had swept despite intense persecution. What changed? Jesus was raised by God from the dead. And how do we know this? Because of Mary and other Mary, the first gospel preachers.